Alison, does road rage ever pay? Financially or emotionally? <laughs> I depend. I guess it depends what sort of insurance you have, yeah? Well, yeah. I mean, third-party insurance, as we know, is very important. Hello and welcome to this episode of Play Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Duncan. And I'm also your host, Alison Horsley. And we're both dramaturgs, meaning we read a lot of plays. We've likely read the plays you feel you should have, but didn't. And that's where Play Notes Podcast comes in. And today, our very first episode of the Play Notes Podcast is the first in a three-parter on Greek tragedy. And we are talking about the big road-raging Greek tragedarian, if that is a word. That gammy-footed bastard. Yeah. Oedipus Rex the King. Yes. The King Rex Oedipus. Yes. Where all the Greek drama, or at least, okay, Western drama kind of begins, or where we point to as as the gold standard of tragedy. Yeah. And if people are thinking, you know, why go back to those old guys yeah they are those old guys yeah but it is important to be familiar with these plays and the conventions around them because they're still referenced today absolutely use them yeah well we've all heard of the oedipus complex of course sure which uh, you know knowing the story of oedipus is useful if you want to be able to have witty banter about the oedipus complex and actually you could um bring up that freud actually got it a bit wrong with the oedipus complex yeah tell us about that real quick well freud assumes that um the person in question kind of knows what's going on it's intentional Mm, whereas the whole point as we'll see with oedipus rex is that he did not know. The whole play is about him finding out what he did not know. And finding it out over and over and over and over with a vengeance. and yeah. that, But not believing it and not wanting to hear it and then finding it out even more and then not wanting to hear it more. Backstory. There's a lot of backstory. There's a lot of backstory. So I'll, I'll give you the backstory, and then we'll go over, like, I'll, I'll let you know where the play actually starts mm-hmm. in terms of the action of the play. Mm-hmm. Okay, so backstory. So there's been a prophecy in the city of Thebes uh, that uh, King Laius and Queen Yocasta are going to have a child that is going to kill his father and marry his mother. And so they're like, oh, shit. Uh, and so that so then Oedipus is born, and so in order to avoid this prophecy f- fulfilling itself, mm-hmm. they pin the baby's ankles together, send the, right like ouch, send the baby off with a shepherd who's going to leave the baby in the countryside, uh, useless, uh, hopeless, uh, death bound, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so. But what actually happened is another shepherd gets the baby and takes the baby to his uh, masters or king and queen, uh, Polybus and Merope. Which I might be butchering these pronunciations, but uh, I'm an American. We, and it just so happens that. they want kids. They want kids. They're like, sweet, here's this here's this fresh baby and we can have a baby. Mm-hmm. So he grows up Albeit there. with a gammy foot. Albeit with, with a pro- problematic foot, which Oedipus means swollen foot. Yes, and that's uh, why so, we have... Um, where the word podiatry yes, comes from. Ped. Ped. That's yes. right. So Oedipus. Oedipus. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Okay. Side note. Yeah. 
All right, so That's he's growing up in another day. land. So he grows up in another land under Polybus and Merope. And Thinking that they're are his parents. Thinking that they're his parents. And he hears this drunk dude at a party is like, hey, I heard that you're gonna kill your father and marry your mother. And so Oedipus is like, oh no. Because prophecies were a thing. Prophecies are a thing. And when the oracle at Delphi tells you something, you believe that, mm-hmm. right? So he, so Oedipus believes this prophecy that this drunk guy has spewed at him this time. And so Oedipus flees his homeland and it to avoid killing Polybus and marrying Merope. And on the road, uh, as he's as he's doing this fleeing, he's headed toward Thebes. And he meets this old guy on the road and presumably his retinue and kills the old dude, kills the retinue. One survivor makes it out alive. And Oedipus uh, in this uh, moves on. And from this, this guy will come back to hold him. This guy's going to come back to haunt him like the shepherd from hell that he is. <laughs> the shepherd messenger from hell. There are several of them in this play. Uh, so yeah, so Oedipus uh, continues on the road to Thebes, where, uh, putting this road rage incident behind him, where he defeats the Sphinx, who has been, like, torturing Thebes. Sphinx is like a really nasty, lion-winged creature. Bird lady. Yeah. Who gives riddles. Yes. And so the, the way only way to, to sort def- of defeat her is by solving the riddle. Exactly. Yeah. So she's like the Riddler, but an animal woman version of it. Mm-hmm. And so she she gives this riddle, and Oedipus solves the riddle. Mm-hmm. And so then he becomes he becomes the the king of Thebes, basically, Jackpot. which is convenient because there's a widow, there's She's a, widow. a husband, right? Perfect. So he marries this uh, recently widowed Yocasta, mm-hmm. whose name he's never heard, uh, and has some kids with her. He's got four kids, and then uh, a plague descends on Thebes. And so that's actually, so now we're finally starting the play of mm-hmm. Oedipus, mm-hmm. is uh, there's a plague. He, uh, Oedipus has sent his brother-in-law Creon mm-hmm. to consult the oracle at Delphi to be like, what is happening? Why is this plague here? What do we need to do? What do we need to do to, to fix, fix the plague? Yeah. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a responsible leader, right? So Creon comes back to Thebes and is like, okay, you guys. So the reason why, uh, the oracle says the reason why this plague is plaguing Thebes (laughs) is because we never solved the murder of Laius. And so Oedipus is like, sweet, okay, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to solve this murder. I fixed it last time. I can do it again. Let's get down to business. One of the ingredients of Greek tragedy is laid down by Aristotle in his Poetics. Yeah, so he, so one of the key factors here is you need a main character who uh, has established a great position in society. So he has a great fall to, to undertake. And this character needs to have some level of a fatal flaw or a tragic flaw. So uh, it has to be a big guy. Big guy. guy. High status. Yep. Who's go, going to fall big time. Yeah, because that's way more satisfying than seeing somebody who's down on their luck fall a little bit more. So Greek tragedy is the other end to, say, the kitchen sink drama. Totally. It, yeah. Okay. Yeah, which is why once we get to the 20th century and we get to Arthur Miller and it's the tragedy of the common man, that's why Death of Salesman is like the tragedy for the current day is mm-hmm. because it's just about a salesman who's like a family man. 
who goes wrong. But, but back- still uses some of these conventions. Absolutely. Yeah, and so the central character needs to have some element of a tragic flaw, or Hamartea, or Hamartia, depending how you want to say it. Yeah, and that's and that's essentially usually that's that's connected to hubris or the sense of excessive pride, Mm -hmm. which our friend Oedipus exhibits by saying, "Look, everybody, it's fine. I'm going to solve the murder of Laius." And in his defense, though, he has been built up. Oh, like, totally. Like, this, this is the guy we needed. He solved the problem the first time around. He can do it again. Totally. And he's, yeah, he's being a responsible leader, mm-hmm. right? So he's protecting his family and also protecting the, the state, which are, are one and the same at yeah. this point in time. The, the health of the king is the health of the city. So, yeah. And so Creon reports that that's the problem. Uh, Oedipus gets really angry, and they end up calling in Tiresias, who's the blind seer. Mm-hmm. And Tiresias is a character who will make an appearance in other plays as well. Yeah. Like, he is a blind seer. He's literally like, a blind he seer. He is a blind seer. Yeah. He's but he a guy with his who mind. knows a lot. But I always feel bad for Tiresias because it seems every time he's called in and he tells them what they think they need to know or what they do need to know, and then he wears it. He is the personification of shoot the messenger. Totally. Yeah. Every Everybody who hears the truth from Tiresias gets mad at Tiresias. And so he goes from being the wise blind soothsayer to being, go home, old man, we don't want you here. So he that's exactly... Yeah, yeah, he can't win. So that's what happens here. So, but then in as the play progresses, a series of messengers come in where Oedipus learns that Polybus is dead. And so, of course, then somebody's like, oh, that's great. You didn't kill your father and bury your mother. Mm-hmm. Your mother. But the person who has come in to reveal that information is like, oh, no, don't worry about it. You weren't his son. It's fine. I'm the one who found you as a baby. So then more of this unveiling keeps happening. Mm -hmm. So all of this unveiling happens where Oedipus finally has to see the truth. And when he's confronted by the truth, uh, which is the second messenger who's come in, Yocasta realizes that's his wife. That's his wife slash mother. mother. Uh, once it becomes clear that Oedipus is actually the one who killed Laius, because you remember road rage, mm-hmm. then Yocasta runs inside. And what does she do, Emily Duncan? Uh, she hangs herself. She hangs herself. Yeah. And then Oedipus is so upset at her hanging herself and also at having now seen the truth, which is where we want to bring back our fun Aristotelian recognition and reversal of fortune, which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. But he takes the brooches off of her dress and he pops out his eyes. Okay, they can't pop out, but he, he pluck, he, 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 he takes out his eyes. Now, Alison, I think we need to point out at this point... And we're going to talk more about this in the next episode, about staging. Mm -hmm. But it's important to understand that in Greek tragedy, yes, it's incredibly violent, but all the violence happens off stage. Yeah, it's always a messenger reporting it. Mm -hmm. And so you feel like you were there, but you don't actually see it. Yeah. Uh, And and you don't see it on stage, but you see the results of it. Yes. So Oedipus will come out with like bloody, bloody orbs yes. right like or they, they've um, got huge masks or or huge masks with like ribbons was, coming yeah, yeah, out yeah, often yeah. stuff like that so yeah. yeah so oedipus blinds himself and comes out and is like 
exile me. I have no place in proper society anymore. Creon, bring up my kids. Yeah, Creon. Yeah, yeah. Take care of the whole situation. Uh, I'm going to exile. I'm I'm now exiled and I'm going to be a wanderer. So we leave the play at the end with Yocasta is dead. Oedipus is is out a wandering and blind and a beggar. And Creon is now in charge of Thebes. And, and the kids are essentially... They're essentially orphans. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, left to be raised by Creon and, you know, the other members of the community. So we talked about the reversal and recognition. Yeah. How do they work together? So according to Aristotle, a, a Greek tragedy is really on its game when the reversal of fortune and the recognition happen around the same time. So in the case of Oedipus, it's the recognition of of the fact that he is the murderer he seeks, which mm-hmm. is what Tiresias tells him at, in the freaking beginning of the play. But mm-hmm. Oedipus is like, nah, that can't be right. So it's it's the realization of the actual truth and also the reversal of fortune in terms of being a high status person who falls from that great height. So his fortune is reversed. So he not only recognizes or realizes this change in state and realizes the, the truth of the situation, but also experiences that great uh, reversal of fortune. And the audience, they would have known the story oh, beforehand. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And this brings us to another term that is still used today. For sure. Isn't that ironic? uh, Is dramatic irony, which in a nutshell means when the audience knows something, the characters don't. Yeah. And Oedipus really is the last to know. And the huge irony about this is his key motivation objective is to find out. Oh, absolutely. But it gets him deeper into the shit the further he goes. Yeah. And has such wide-ranging repercussions for everyone. Yeah, and it's deeply satisfying. Like, you go to the theatre to see a play that you already know the story of, not because you want to learn what happens, but you want to see how it happens. And how this playwright has has treated this myth, or this story. You know, yeah, so, so not the what... But the how. Yeah, and that goes, and we'll talk about this later, but that's why theater means seeing place. You're going to, like, see this new version of of this classic tale. I mean, why does anybody go see A Christmas Carol, right? Like, I mean, they know the story, you know but they want to see this version. Yeah, you know how it ends. But you want to experience it with other people, and you want to see how this particular playwright or adapter has, has dealt with it. And there's another term we're going to keep bringing back of the next uh, two episodes after this. Part of that, you know, collective experience is catharsis. Yes, that it, great big purge. That big, big purge. Well, so it's a purge. It's it's an emotional purge that, that translates into a spiritual purge. So when you see a character undergo, at least in Greek theater, what what is pity and fear on stage, essentially, that and, and you experience that pity and fear with them, then that breeds a catharsis. So a kind of purging of your soul, um, of your spirit, of your mind, all of that. And so it's it's a bit like having a good cry, frankly. Um, and it's not unlike... In a safe space. In a very safe space with about 15,000 of your best m- male friends. Uh, we we <laughs> can come talk to more the in the next episode about how they went to the theater. Yeah, but yeah. But it's it's like a religious experience and it's a communal experience to, to, to witness this thing together. And so that term in, in Greek theater is known as catharsis. So that's why you would say that something is particularly cathartic uh, if you've had that 
purgative experience. And on that note, I'd like to finish with my favorite thing in the play. Oh, all right. Hit me with that. All our host is in decline. Weaponless my spirit lies. Earth her gracious fruits denies. Women wail in barren throes. Life on life down stricken goes. Swifter than the wind bird's flight. Swifter than the fire god's might. To the resting shores of the night.